Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away before my word passes away. And tonight we've come in here to stand on the shoulders of so many men and women that have gone before us that have lived lives and they have given their lives so that the pages that we'll read tonight can be given some attention. And I hope that you're excited about getting into what God has for you tonight. And I'm so excited because we are not doing anything new, but it is our time to join this thing called the Jesus Revolution. And if you have a copy of God's Word, I do want to invite you to find the book of Jeremiah, chapter 15. Hey, my name is Chad. If we haven't had the chance to meet, it's so uh, good just to see you here tonight. And uh, where we're headed tonight, man, I, I believe that, that this message is going to help so many of us tonight uh, be able to navigate one of, the, one of the greatest things that we could give our life to and give our time to. Uh, but, but before we get to the text, I want to start off just with a story. Some of y'all maybe heard part of my story, but uh, my dad walks out on our family when I'm 12, and then it just kind of uh, uh, spirals downhill for him, for him from there. And uh, when I'm 16, I'm living with my mom, and um, my dad gets incarcerated for the first time. Um, and we were dependent upon my dad's income to make ends meet. And so my mom comes to me, and she's working three jobs at this time. And uh, she says, hey, I'm going to pick up another part-time job uh, because I'm going to try to make ends meet, but it's not looking real promising. And so she, she comes to me. I, I'm 16, and she says, hey, because dad's in jail, um, we're, we're probably not going to have a Christmas this year, and it looks like we're going to lose our house as well. Um, but we're, we're going to try hard, and we're going to hunker down, and we're going to figure this out. You know, a mom, a single mom, maybe y'all grew up in a single mom home, and you've had moments like that. And so, man, at 16, I'm like, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to work. And I was already working at a place for minimum wage, and back in the day, minimum wage was like $5.45 an hour. Yeah, wasn't making no money. Anyway, and so I would bring my paycheck home, and I would put it on my mom's nightstand. And, and I remember in that season just being so gripped with anxiety, as you could imagine, uh, so gripped with worry, as you can imagine. I remember going through Dairy Queen, because that's what I love about Texas. Anybody? Anyway, so I was going through Dairy Queen, and, um, and I remember in that moment, like, like rolling through the drive-thru, and it just, like all of the pressure of that moment, man, just hit me. And I don't know if, if y'all operate this way, but when I'm going through stressful situations and hard times, like it just orbits around me, and then it collides with my heart at the weirdest times. And so I remember as a 16-year-old, I'm rolling through Dairy Queen trying to get something to eat, and I just start weeping, because I'm like, man, we're not going to make it. And how are we going to get through this? And that was kind of a breaking point for me in that moment where I emoted finally because of all the stress. And I was like, man, where do I turn to and where do I go? And, and I, I had been given this sheet of paper, it was a green sheet of paper, and it was laying on my windowsill. And I'd been given it a few months ago because I attended a Bible study just one time, kind of a one-off during the summer. And, and they were encouraging us to memorize scripture. And so I, and I had a valiant effort and I memorized the first memory verse on the page in the summertime, but then I just kind of laid it to rest. And, and I picked it back up, and the second memory verse was where I turned my attention to. And, and here's what I found. I went to Matthew chapter 6. And if you're familiar with the Bible at all, uh, Matthew chapter 6 is this incredible chapter in which we get to hear from Jesus about what, what God thinks about us. And the memory verse was Matthew 6, 33 and 34. So put yourself kind of in my scenario, like life is crumbling, it's falling apart. I find the word of God that was always there. I just went to it finally. And I turn to Matthew 6, 33 and it says, but, but first seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all things are gonna take care of themselves. They're, they're all gonna be added to you. And then it goes on in 34, it says, and don't worry about tomorrow. I was like, worry, that's something I'm doing. But Jesus is saying, don't worry about tomorrow. He says, today has enough trouble of its own. And, and then I just began to read the context, and, he, and it was like the Lord just, just came up to me and, and put, I, I can't really explain it, but this is the best way I can, that, that he, he just kind of wrapped around me like this. Like it was as if he was, he was holding me, wrapping his arms around me, and just saying, hey, bro, I got you. And I was reading like he says, I've got the birds. I got you, all right? I'm gonna take care of them. I'm gonna clothe the lilies with splendor. I've got you. And what would transpire in this season of my life is that this, this worry, this anxiety, it was lifted off of me. I threw myself into my relationship with the Lord and he began to give me an appetite for his word because I found his word to be very relevant to my life. I wonder, have you found his word to be relevant to your life? Now, I do have to tell you that, that we didn't save the house. We didn't have much of a Christmas. But here's what I learned, that God was with me. And I got God out of the process of that painful situation. 
And I found the word of God. And I start there tonight because I wanted to ask you that question over and over tonight. Have you found the word of God? Like, have you come to the place in your life where you're like, man, this, this book, it, it is the opportunity for me to know God, to know his heart and know what he, he thinks about me, know what he's done for me and know how I can navigate life in such a way that would please him. Have, have you found the word of God that way? St- statistics tell us and research tell us, I was looking at a research this, um, looking at some research this week. Um, according to research by the Barna Group and the American Bible Society, most of us hadn't, that our generation, the millennial generation, which is the majority of the people here tonight, uh, we, are the, we are the greatest generation uh, to not believe in the Bible. That you can see here over half of the millennials, according to this research, are, are either Bible neutral or Bible skeptical compared to 45% of teens, 50% of Gen Xers, and 40% of boomers and so on. And so research is telling us that, that, that half of the room here tonight is probably like, you know, this book, just like any other book, it's, you know, it's got some cool things to it. But, but also I find it ironic that we can't just completely lie on that research. We've got to, you know, say, hey, well, hey, y'all are here tonight. And so you're here probably to meet with some people, and, but you're here sitting here underneath the sound of my voice because you're like, you know what, I think that there's something in this book for me. I think that I need to lean in. Maybe you find yourself in a season much like I found myself in and I was grasping for answers and I need something to make sense of it all. And, and, and maybe you've come in here and you're like, man, I want to I wanna explore faith in Christ. We're glad that you're here. But I think there's a, a, another large majority of us here that, that were like me for a large part of my Christianity where I just showed up to gatherings like this. Like I showed up to gatherings like this, but when, when it came to the Bible, I was like, you know what? I know I should read it, but my Bible had that kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's on the dashboard. You know what I'm talking about? And so like, like it, pay attention to the people whose Bibles look like this. That means they ain't picked it up all week. It's been on the dashboard all week. All right. And, and that was my Bible, like, like, like if I looked at my app usage time, it would see that you would see that I hadn't touched the Bible app at all. I've been on Instagram, Snapchat, whatever the thing is, and I hadn't touched that Bible. And, and, and here's the thing, I know that there's good things in here for me, and a lot of you know that there's good things in here for you, but you're just not getting in it. And so that leads me to question, do you really believe that God has life in these words for you? Because you can say that you believe that all you want, but, but we say this often, that men and women, they say what they think, but they do what they believe. And so examine your, your life spent this last week. Did you get into the word of God at all? And did you draw to mind the words that God has written in, in, in this book? And the, the irony of it is this, like again, we've come in here and we wanna hear from the Lord, right? Like the irony of it is this, we want to hear a word from God about our sex life, about our, our, our relationships, about our anxiety, about the way that we should chase success, about how we should go about having friendships and all that. So we want to hear from the Lord what he thinks about us. We want to hear from the Lord, but our Bible's like this all the time. And the irony is that we say, God, I just need a word from you. He's like, hey, open the book. I got a word for you, it's in the book. But, but we slipped into this culture where we like to, we, we like to just eat the, the meal that someone else has prepared primarily. And so we kind of have like this drive-through Christianity where, where we want it convenient, we want another man or another woman to do the majority of the work, and then we want to, we want to t- uh, hang on to their catchy statements, their pithy statements, and then we want to regurgitate those as if we were the ones that were seeking the Lord and gathering that information. And we want to exchange the opportunity to know God personally just so that we can vicariously live through the faith of other people. And listen, that's not what God wants for you. Like God wants to know you. He wants to know you personally. He, he doesn't want you just to have a faith through a priest or through a pastor or whatever your thing is. Like he wants you to be known by him and he wants you to know him. And he wants you to, to not subscribe to this convenient American 140 characters or less Christianity. And so tonight we're taking a break from our series called A Life Well Lived, where we've been walking verse by verse through the book of Ecclesiastes. And we want to invite you into an opportunity tonight to answer this question that our leadership has, has proposed to us and, and we've just been wrestling with. And here's, here's the simple question. How do I study the Bible? How do I study the Bible? 
Because listen, the goal is not that you would come and just hear us tell you what we think or what we've picked up from the book of Ecclesiastes. We love that you do that. But we would be so joyed and filled and so excited that you would, you would take your word, you take your whip, and you would go home, you would crack it open, and you would get in the book of Ecclesiastes on your own and say, God, I need a word from you. You got the same Holy Spirit, if you know Jesus, dwelling in you that any man or woman of God does. And he wants to know you. And so tonight, we're answering the question, how do I study the Bible? And some of you here, I just want to recognize you real quick. Some of you are hearing like, man, I don't really, I don't know that I should spend time studying the Bible, Chad. Like, like you're still kind of wondering, is this book even reliable? Should I even give much of my time and attention to this book? And tonight, we're really not going to answer the question on, on how can we trust that the scripture is reliable because we already answered that recently. Our, our senior pastor, Pastor Phil Hopper, he was in the house with us a, a few months ago, and we were in this series called Ask Me Anything. Great series. You should go check it out. And it's available on YouTube, Paradigm KC, or you can go to the podcast and you can find it. And, and he answered this question, is the Bible reliable? Oh, such a good servant, man. That brother's got so much information, so much wisdom, and he did an incredible job. So if you're here and you're like, I don't even know if I can trust the reliability of the scriptures, man, go check that out. I encourage you. You owe it to yourself to see what is, what is up with this book, all right? But tonight, we're answering the question, how do I study the Bible? So that's what I've titled the message tonight, how do I study the Bible? And here's what I want you to see tonight. I want you to discover the scriptures in a new way. I want you to see that there's been something profoundly uh, impactful before you, and maybe you haven't tapped into that thing, and I want you to discover that tonight. I want you to learn how to digest the scriptures. I want to give you some real practical tools about when you sit down and you're, you're there, you and the Lord, you and the Spirit, y'all about to get in the Word, now what? I want to give you some of that stuff too, okay? And then I, I want you to just define that you can delight in this Word, that God has a Word for you and you can delight in it. And before we leave tonight, I want you to see that when we begin to declare what God is teaching us and we unfold the mysteries that are unfolding in our lives to one another— Oh, man, it's awesome. And it's glorious when we get to know God through one another. There was a young adult that was gripped by the word of God in a profound way several thousand years ago. So much so that when he's talking about the word of God, he, he had a season in his life where he's like, man, I'm tired of speaking about the Bible. And then you just see him kind of, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Liar, Liar, but he's just, he can't, you know, like he can't hold it in. And what he says is that the word of God is like a fire inside of my bones, and I cannot hold it in. And indeed, I'm weary of trying to hold this in. And this young adult was so passionate about the word of God that he gave his life to proclaim the word of God in a very difficult time. In fact, it cost him his reputation, and it cost him his life ultimately, but he was faithful. And he has some very particular things to say about the Word of God that I want to draw your attention to tonight. This is Jeremiah 15, chapter 16. Jeremiah 15, chapter 16. We're going to unpack basically one verse tonight. And we're going to have some supporting text, but one verse tonight should be real simple. But I believe that there's some incredible things that we can draw from this one verse tonight. Sometimes I just like to marinate in one verse, you know what I'm saying? You know when you marinate something, we did a brine the other day on a pork shoulder, just let it marinate for a little while, you know, just let it soak up the juices and all that. And so that's what we're doing tonight, we're just marinating Jeremiah 15, 16. And so let's go, Jeremiah 15 says this, your words were found, your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart for I am called by your name. Oh, Lord God of hosts. Point number one, if you're taking notes tonight, write this word down, discover. Discover. Jeremiah, he discovered the word of God. I wonder, have you discovered the word of God? And let me give you a definition to discover real quick. Discover is this, to become aware of. Let me be like, no duh. To become aware of. Have you become aware of the word of God? Like in order for you to study the word, you got to become aware of the word, all right? You got to discover it. Have you, have you heard about the word? Like this, this word is the bestseller of all time. This word is it's, it's the only book of prophecy, y'all. Like there are things that were predicted in this book hundreds of years later that came to pass. It's, it's unlike any other book. No, no holy book has prophecy like ours. It, it, it has been proven over and over archaeologically. People were like, man, we ain't ever heard of the Pool of Siloam and John chapter, we ain't, that's not a real place. And they start digging over in the Middle East. Oh, my goodness, the Bible's right again. Man, it, the, I mean, it's amazing. And, and, and let alone those things, man, this word has been changing lives 
for thousands of years. It's changed my life. It's shaped my thinking. There's so much stinking thinking that I was just born into, and then the behavior that I adopted shaped that stinking thinking. But then I got in the Word, and it began to transform my life by the renewing of my mind because I was bathed in the Word of God. Have you found the Word? Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. He's, took, he's looking at his guys that are following him, and, and, they, and he looks at them, and, and he says, hey, do y'all want to leave me? And one of his guys looks up and says, no, we can't leave you because you have the words of life, that the life and the life abundantly that Jesus is trying to give you tonight is going to come in the form of his word. He spoke the world into existence. He didn't build it into existence. There's something amazing about the word of God. Have you discovered this word? I think a lot of us, man, we just treat it like another book, man. A guy named Mahatma Gandhi, he said this about Christianity as he observed our ways. He said, you Christians look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces. Turn the world upside down and bring peace to a battle-torn planet. But you treat it as if, though, it's nothing more than a piece of literature. In this book, it is unexplainable how it come together. 66 books over the span of, of hundreds of years, multiple authors coming together. One storyline called the meta-narrative of God from Genesis to Revelation. God is writing this story. It is an amazing, amazing book. And listen, it helps you know God. And when you get into this word, it changes you. Now, the Word says a lot of things about the Word, but I want to give you one particular verse that gives us two characteristics of the Word and give you a story about how it's played out in my life. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29, he said this, Is not my Word like a fire, declares the Lord, like a fire. You could circle that Word. And he says, And like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. Now, Jeremiah, he undoubtedly had in mind a fire that would have been uh, something that was very purposeful. You know, I think a lot of times we think of a fire, a fire can be very devastating, maybe like the wildfires that we saw you know, wreak havoc in the, uh, the western part of our nation this year. And we think, okay, is the word of God like that? Is it like going to just kind of wreck my life? And, and listen, no, it's not going to wreck your life that, that the word of God is like a fire. Y'all know fire? Some of you are like, fire, fire, right? Y'all know a fire, right? And fire's just cool, man. There's something about it, even this little tiny flame. And, and what's, what's true about fire, even this little flame, is that it has very, very clear and distinct properties. Like, you know what, if, if I hold my hand over this fire, it's going to get really hot. Like right now, yeah, that's really hot, okay? The, the, the fire in the ancient days was primarily used in the context that Jeremiah is talking about to refine things. And so when he says that your word is like a, like, like a fire, that, listen, God wants to refine some things in you. That you know that you and I are, we were brought into this world, born into brokenness, but God has a future version of you in mind that he wants to refine you into. That the man or the woman of God that he has in mind for you to become is going to have to go through the fire of refinement. And so sometimes we're going to re read the word of God, it's going to bust our chops, but it's going to be purposeful. He says, your word is like a fire, it's also like a hammer. You know, and, and he says that the, the word of God, it will come down on you like a hammer. And I think about some of the decisions that I've made in my life and some of the foolish things that I've done in my life. I've needed not like a, you know, like, not like a Q-tip from God. I needed a hammer dropped on my life. Amen? You know, I needed, I needed Thor to show up and to break some things in my life. But I think oftentimes we, we can be a little bit fearful. Like we have this thing in our life and we're like, you know what, God, I, I don't know if... I can trust you to let your word fall in my life like a hammer, like I'm in a relationship. And I, don't wanna, I just don't know if I should do my relationship the way you say I should do my relationship in your word. And, and we hang on to these things, and God's like, hey, there's a brick in your hand, and I need to expose your hand so I can fill it with something more glorious than a stinking brick. And you're like, I don't know, God. And he's like, listen, if I'm going to get into your hand so that I can do something profound in your hand, I'm going to need to crush this brick, but we like to hang on to this brick. I know for me in my life, there's been times where I've hung on to things I shouldn't have hung on to. And God's like, hey, you need to let it go. And I'm thinking, you know what, God, I, I trust you, kind of. And his word comes out, and, and, and his hand comes up like this, and, 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 and I'm like, I'm going I'm to set it in, 
no, I'm not going to set it in motion. I want to hang on to this, God. And he's like, no, you need to put, you need to let me crush that thing that you're hanging on to. And listen, we fear that God's going to hurt what's underneath this thing that we're hanging on to. But God's word is like a hammer. And when we allow it to fall on our hand, it, it doesn't hurt what's, in our, what's underneath. Because God is precise. His word is like a hammer. And we think that, oh, God's going to crush my hand when he brings it down. But listen, it doesn't hurt. And we have to trust that God is doing something. Let me explain it this way. So I was a young adult. I've been following the Lord for some time. And uh, am I bleeding? Okay, I'm good. All right, just, all right. Some of y'all are like, is that, how did that happen? All right. And so I was, let me explain this way. So I was following the Lord for some time. And, and, and here's what happened. Like, um, I, I really believed that everybody around me should follow Jesus like me. And I was getting so frustrated with people around me because I'm like, hey, why don't you just follow Jesus like me? Like, like, why can't you memorize scripture? Why can't you do the things that I'm doing? And, and here's what happened. I began to believe that I was something. And, and I got so like stiff-necked and I got so hard-hearted towards people. And, and I believed that I was like the standard. And here's what you call that in the scripture. You call that a Pharisee. And Jesus doesn't really think uh, very fondly about Pharisees. Right, like he, he says things like, hey, your, your mom, she shagged the devil, and that's how you got here. That's what he says, you know, in my translation. Uh, he says things like this, you are a brood of vipers. He's talking about the Pharisees. He's like, you're a whitewashed tomb. And, and I didn't realize that I was being a Pharisee, but that's exactly what I was being. And so the word of God was revealed to me in a story in Luke chapter 15. And God used this story to crush some things in my life that I was hanging on to. And God's word fell like a hammer, and he broke me of my stiff-neckedness. My stiff-neck, yeah, he broke me of that. He broke me of my stubbornness. He said, listen, buddy, you would be nothing without me, and the faith that you have was a gift from me. You didn't earn that. You were just obedient to do what I told you to do, and so I've got you where you are now. You would be nothing without me. And I needed God's word to come in and refine me like a fire and break me down with a hammer. Have you discovered God's word this way? And listen, we fear that God's gonna crush something that's precious to us, but he knows what he's doing, guys. His word is like a double-edged sword, it says in Hebrews, and that word is meant to mean scalpel. That he's a divine surgeon and he always inflicts pain to promote healing. Have you discovered the word of God? Jeremiah, he discovered the word of God. He says that your words were found. And notice what he did. He says, I ate them, right? Point number two, if you're taking notes, write this down, digest. Digest. Jeremiah, he discovered it, but then he began to digest it. And, and for you and I, we need, to, we need to begin to eat the word of God. We can't just find it. We can't just open it up. We got to begin to digest it. We got to process it. And, and so um, let me explain it this way. I, I think there's a lot of us here that when it comes to like our spiritual man or spiritual woman, like we got an eating disorder. And so um, kind of the unofficial spokeswoman of, of eating disorders right now in our culture is Demi Lovato. I don't know if y'all know who Demi is. She's sorry, but not sorry, that girl. Anyway, so Demi, um, she has released this YouTube um, documentary of, uh, basically on her story. And she just says, hey, I, I've, I've struggled with anorexia. I've struggled with bulimia. And listen, if you're here, I'm not trying to make light of that at all. And if you are struggling with that, we would love to pray with you, love to ask that God would heal you. And we have people here that have struggled with that. And we know that that's a sickness that we don't take lightly. But, but let me just get Demi's sickness into your mind or, or just that idea of anorexia where you just don't eat food or bulimia where you eat food but then you purge yourself. And, and let me get that in your mind. And I, I want you to think about the spiritual implications of that uh, decision. And so that's a physical story in Demi's life that, it, that has a spiritual correlation. And here's what I'm trying to say, that a lot of you have come in here tonight and you've got a spiritual eating disorder. And what's crazy about anybody in America that struggles with anorexia is that they have food in the cupboard. They got food in the pantry. It's in the refrigerator. The solution to their, their problem, if you will, I know it's much deeper than that, but the solution to their problem is right in front of them. And a lot of us, like, we are so weak and anemic spiritually because we are spiritually anorexic. And God's like, I got a word for you. Open it up and eat. 
or, or you, maybe you've done things like me and you, you come to places like this and you hear the word of God taught or, or maybe you listen to a podcast or whatever it is, but you don't digest it properly. You, do, you don't let the nutrients process into your body and you're like spiritually bulimic and you take the word in, but you never put it into motion and you're purging the nutrients of God's word because you're choosing sin or apathy and God's saying, it is time to get healthy spiritually. And so how do we digest the word of God? I wanna give you a few things in order for you to digest the word of God. The first thing that you're gonna need is a place. You're gonna need a place. I just want you to ask yourself, where is the, the place that I prefer to spend time with the Lord? Uh, for me, it's, it's a coffee shop. Some of y'all ran into me doing this before. It's a coffee shop. I, I have three kids in our home. It's a busy home. There's not a lot of privacy in my home right now. And so this idea that I'm just going to be like on the porch and there's going to be birds fluttering and it's going to be serenity, it's just not a reality. I'm going to have my two-year-old saying, Daddy, hi, hi, hi. She's wanting me to throw her up high. And I throw up her 30 times, set her down. As soon as her feet hit the ground, Daddy, hi, hi, hi. And then I'm going to have Lydia coming out and she's going to be wanting to dance for me. And I love all those things, but here's the reality. I can't concentrate and have a, and have a, a time with the Lord with all of those things going on. And so I, I've chosen in this particular season to get to the coffee shop. Where, where's your place? Where's the place where you can kind of get rid of the distractions, you can put the phone away, uh, and you can focus? Where's your place? Uh, the other thing that you're gonna need is you're gonna need a time. You need a time. What, what's the time of day in which you can really lock it in, focus? Uh, for some of you, that may be early, early in the morning. Like three hands went up, right? For others of you, that's going to be late at night, amen? And so, and, and if some old guy or old lady's like, hey, you need to spend the first part of your day with the Lord, I get what they're saying, but according to the Jewish calendar, the day begins at sunset. And so the first part of the day is when the sun sets. I'll let your boy, all right? And so 7 p.m., ha-ha, morning risers. Y'all don't make me feel guilty. Okay, anyway, and so when I began to carve out this discipline with spending time with the Lord, I would spend time with the Lord at night. Now it's, it's, it's late morning is the majority of the, is, is the time that I spend with the Lord. You're going to need a place. You're going to need a time. You're going to need some tools. I brought some tools with me tonight just to show you. First of all, you're going to need a Bible if you're going to study the Bible, okay? Just, just want to make that obvious, okay? Um, this is the best-selling book of all time. And, uh, and listen, it's a great investment, and so I have a study Bible, and I love this study Bible because it has a lot of notes in it. Uh, there's a lot of doctrine, a lot of theology. There's a lot of really great maps. There's a lot of helpful hints on how to figure out some of the things. When you're reading some things, you're like, I don't know what Ephraim is and Shekinah. I'm not real sure. And so I hop down to the commentary, and they're like, Ephraim is part of, you know, part of Jerusalem or something like that. But they tell me what it means. Anyway, and so I would encourage you to get a good study Bible. Uh, the translation of the Bible that we advocate the most here is the New King James translation. And there's reasons behind that that we don't have a lot of time to talk about tonight. But listen, whatever translation of the Bible you have, read it. And that's what I would say. Whatever translation of the Bible you have, read it. If you go to Mardell's or you hop online or you go to Lifeway or whatever it is, you can find a good translation and don't get lost in the weeds of, well, should I read this translation or this translation? If you're trying to start the discipline of reading the Bible, get a study Bible, read it. Okay, that's the tool you're going to need. Another tool you're going to need is, uh, is, is these right here, a, a paradigm pen, of course, um, and then a highlighter, okay? And so you're going to need some tools like this. And because here's the thing, you read in the Bible, you circle some things, you underline some things, you highlight some things, and you engage with the text. I should have mentioned you will need some coffee because that's the nectar of God. And so I'm just kidding, you won't need coffee, but it does help. And so you could have that. And then I brought a couple more things. When you read the Bible, you need a, a journal. Now, we have some journals for sale at the merch table. They're really cheap. And so pick one up if you want to start this, and I'll show you how to access or how to utilize a journal here in just a second. But a journal, this is a place for you to write down some things that are going on in your life. I started the discipline of journaling about 14 years ago. I can go back 14 years and I can read what was going on in my heart and in my life. In this journal, I've been in this journal for almost nine years. And I can go back to times in my life in this journal where, uh, seven years, excuse me, where we introduced our, our children into the world. And I can go back in this journal and I can see where we baptized my children and I can read the things. I can read through the struggles of difficult seasons in this journal. It's precious to me. You're going to need a journal. And I also just want to advocate um, some supplemental materials. And so this is like a devotional book. I'm studying through the book of Psalms, and this is a, a devotional that goes with the book of Psalms. Um, do not think that supplemental reading 
is a replacement for the scripture. Okay, that would be like eating at GNC tonight. Hey man, you wanna go out to eat? Yeah, let's go with some supplements. <laughs> like, nah, bro, I'm trying to hit like 54th, all right? Something like that, get some chicken or something, right? And, and, and so it's not, it's not wrong to have supplemental reading. And so sometimes you need to get something like this because you're gonna pull insights from this that you wouldn't get normally. But here's what I would say, that this is not a substitute for the scripture, okay? And so I just wanna advocate that. I'm reading through this right now as I'm going through the book of Psalms. I, I normally don't have a supplemental reading when I'm reading through the scripture. You're gonna need some tools. You're gonna need the things you need in your life to set you up for success. And then uh, finally, if you're gonna digest the word, you're gonna need a plan, okay? So that when you, set, when you sit down in front of the Word of God, you're going to need a plan. Now, when I study the Word of God, I like to start with the beginning of a book. So right now, I started reading the book of Psalms, and I'm going to work through the book of Psalms until I'm done. I want to encourage you guys to read the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, we're walking verse by verse through the book of Ecclesiastes. So you don't have to uh, come here Tuesday night to hear from Ecclesiastes. You can do that on your own time. Uh, you ladies, when y'all go to her night on Friday night, you're going to be challenged to read the book of Ephesians. Another great book, great book to start. Start Ephesians, Ecclesiastes chapter one, and just read it till you're done. It won't take that long. And you engage in the text. But when you sit down, you're gonna need a plan. And so we gave you one of these things tonight. And um, it, it's a little handout, and, it, and it's an acrostic with the word soap, soap. And so soap stands for this. It stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Let me break that down real quick. So let's say that we're in <clears throat> Psalm 77, and we're reading that, and, you know, and, and I'm trying to coach you through how to do this. Well, um, for me, like I'm going to read until I feel like God has spoken to me, and that's that Scripture piece. And so when you get in the Scripture, you're asking yourself this question, what verse struck you? What verse struck you? What verse jumped off the pages at you? What verse that, 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 that really, what, what, what really bothered you? <laughs> or, or what verse... Like when you read it, you were like, God is like this? Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. And if God is like this, then that means that, that he accepts me. If God is like holy and no one can get around him, but I have a relationship with him, oh, my goodness, I understand and appreciate the cross of Christ so much more. Yes, I'm going to circle that, highlight that. I'm going to say, wow. And I'm going to engage the text. Okay, you find a scripture. Uh, the next thing that you do is that you, uh, you have some observations now, when you're observing some things, it's good for you to ask, like, hey, who, who wrote this letter? And then, then, then try to figure out what their story is. So maybe you're, like, reading the Gospel of John or, let's say, Ephesians. Let's go with that. And, and you go, okay, Paul wrote this letter to the, the church at Ephesus. Well, who was Paul, and why should I listen to him? That, that the biblical authors are legit, and you should get to know their story, and I think it amplifies the things that they're writing and so ask, who wrote this? And then try to use your imagination to get into the scenario. This was happening in a very chaotic time in, in history, or this was in a peaceful time in history, that sort of thing, and get into the story. And then ask these four questions when you're observing. Is there an example for me to follow? Is there a sin for me to confess? Is there a truth for me to obey? And is there a promise for me to embrace? And so as you are observing some things, you've got your pen out, your Bible out, and you are annotating in that book. So I brought a picture of my Bible. You can see it right here, and you can see some recent annotations. And so uh, you can see, like, I drew um, some drawings just to kind of, you know, own this. And so that picture on the left, uh, he's saying that I, I held my eyes open. Looks like I'm grabbing somebody's eyeball, but we're not going to go there. And, um, and then he said, I kept my mouth shut because it was full of trouble or something like that. And so I duct taped over that person's mouth with trouble. And then you can see, wow. And then you can see other annotations that are taking place. But you, you get the picture, right? You open your Bible, and you start underlining and circling and drawing caricatures if, you, if that's your thing, okay? You engage the text. And, and here's my prayer. You can take that down. Here's my prayer is that when I say wow and I write that down in the margin of my Bible, that God would be writing wow in my heart. When I circle things and it's like, man, I need, I need to seek the Lord in the midst of my pain. That's Psalm 77. I need to seek the Lord in the midst of my pain. I'm writing, I'm underlining that. And I'm saying, what is my song in the midst of my sorrow? He clings to a song. What's my song? And as I underline in the Bible, I'm saying, oh, God, would you underline these things in my heart? As I highlight in the Bible, I'm saying, oh, God, would you highlight these things in my heart? Because as I look at my life and as I read your word, I see that there's some disagreement there. So, God, I need you to work in my life. And then comes the application. 
The application is you asking this question, what do I need to do in response to what I read? So a lot of times you'll read the scripture, and again, it's like a fire or a hammer, and you've got to, you've got to do some things, you've got to change some things in your life. There's an action that needs to take place. But then there's other times where you read the word, and it's like, God, again, you're amazing. And the application is simply your adoration. And so this is where the journal comes into play. And so you've, you've seen some things, um, uh, something's jumped off the pages, you, you've asked some questions, is there a sin for me to confess, is there a truth I need to obey, and those sort of things. And then you're like, all right, here comes the application. And so I pull out my pen, and here's what I do. I just, I, I write the date. And so we got a picture of it, actually, I'll just show you all. I, I write the date, so this was 325.19, Psalm 78.32 is the verse that jumped off the pages to me. And I just wrote, why is my own heart prone to spite your salvation by craving what I don't have in sin and despite all you're doing and I have done, I have parts of my heart that doesn't believe. That I'm reading the text and I'm going, there's something that's not firing right here. And I don't judge the people that I'm reading about, like, oh, y'all are morons. I'm realizing that I'm the moron that's in the Bible too. And I'm owning what I need to own. Let's throw that back up there. And so here's what goes on. <clears throat> then I begin to write out a prayer, and I'm, in, I'm talking to the Lord. This is my application. These are my observations. Thank you, Jesus, for the last couple of days to chase you, enjoy family and your beauty. Thursday was a day to unplug and unwind with my girls. We explored the city and made, new, made memories with one another. Chelsea goes on. And so I'm just talking about what happened and how grateful I am to the Lord. And I'm processing what God is teaching me. It's the SOAP method. You, you have a scripture. You have some observations, an application, and a prayer. This is how you study the Bible. This is how you digest the word. And every one of us, you know this to be true, that you need a regular diet in order to be healthy, right? Like there's some meals I'll never forget. I remember the meal that I had when I proposed to Chelsea. I remember exactly what we ate. I remember exactly what she was wearing, what time, where we were. I remember it all. But then I, I couldn't tell you like 10 days ago what I had to eat. And there's some meals that are memorable. I'll never forget them, how good they were. The first time I ate Chilean sea bass changed my life. Okay, I've got those meals. But then there's other meals where I'm like, I can't even recall. But here's what I know. I've eaten consistently throughout my life, which has allowed me to be a little thick right now. I'm going to be honest, you know. But I'm working on that, all right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it's allowed me to be healthy, is what I'm trying to say. And the same is true spiritually. You have to eat this book regularly. I wonder, have you found the word of God? Have you discovered it? Have you begun to digest the word of God? Jeremiah, he says this, that your words were found. I ate them and your words became to me a joy. I love this. Became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Point number three, if you're taking notes, write this down. Delight. Delight. Do you, do you delight in God's word? Do you delight in God's word? Like, have you just, like, if you and God were kicking it, would you, what, what, which part would you pick first? Like, God, man, when you wrote this, like, it just, it, it changed, it wrecked me in a good way, right? Do you delight in this word? I think a lot of us come in here and, and we just, like, if we're being honest, we just don't. So I want to put it this way. I want you to imagine that um, I had the opportunity to go on, a, like, a year-long mission trip and when I went on that mission trip, um, the deal was that, that I couldn't have any outside contact from my direction, and, and really people couldn't come to me. And, and, and so I, I came to my wife and my girls, and I was like, hey, girls, I've got this awesome opportunity to go share the gospel with people who never heard the gospel. Uh, but here's the deal. We can't call each other. We can't, we can't email. The only thing that they've told me that can, that can happen is that, that y'all can send me some letters. And, and so my wife, she loves to send me letters. Here's a letter she wrote me a few uh, years ago. And so she loves to dress them up, and then she's taught this to our girls. Girls, and so they're always writing like crayons and stickers everywhere. Daddy, daddy. You know, they write these letters. And so I want you to imagine that she's like, you know what? This is going to be tough, but we can do this. And so for like six months, they've been writing letters like every week. And she's getting the girls together. And she's like, hey, tell daddy how much you love him. Tell him what's going on in your life, what, what books you're reading, what things you're learning. And she's writing like, baby, you're the, you're the man. You're writing all these things, like these love letters to me. And, and, and she's just sending them every week. She's sending them faithfully. 
Well, then an opportunity, they call Chelsea and say, hey, Chelsea, there's a window for you and the girls to go visit Chad. We want, we want to surprise him with this visit. And she's thinking, oh, my goodness, this is sooner than I thought. And so they load up, and then they surprise me. I'm like, oh, my goodness, y'all, this is the love of my life is here, and my girls are here. This is the best day ever. And, and they, I'm like, come on, let's, let's head back to the place I'm staying. I'm going to get cleaned up, and then we're going to go out and celebrate. And they're like, all right, let's go. And so we get to the place I'm staying, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to get cleaned up real quick. It's been a hard day. And so I'm getting cleaned up, and they're just kind of making themselves at home at the place I'm staying. And then they come out there, and they see these letters that they've written me. I'm like, oh, those are the letters. Hey, girls, these are the letters that you wrote, Daddy. And they pick it up, and they realize they hadn't even been opened. And she's like, that's weird. Maybe he didn't open this one. Picks up another one. That one's not opened. Begins to look at all of them, and none of them have been opened. And I come out, you know, like, hey, y'all, y'all ready to go? And she says, hey, did you get these? I'm like, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. Why, why haven't you read them? And I just said, oh, babe, I've been busy, babe, been busy. Yeah, but I poured, I poured my heart out to you in these letters. Why haven't you read them? Like, like your girls, they, they made you art. And they told you how much they love. Why haven't you? Why haven't you read them? I said, "Babe, I just I was planning on it, babe. I was planning on it." And this is a picture of a lot of our relationship with God. God's like, "Man, I wrote I wrote you some. I wrote you. My heart is being poured out to you in this. Why haven't you read it?" And here's the thing, like, if I made the decision in that scenario not to read the letters from my girl, like, like the, what I would be missing out is these, these delightful, like, celebrations of, of, of our love. I'd be missing out on so much, and so many of you are missing out on what God has for you. And, and God has a love letter that he's written to you. Open it up and delight in it. The spiritual disciplines are not drudgery. They're the gateway to life and life abundantly. God has a word for you. His word, it's, it's demonstrated in so many different ways throughout the scripture, and he's calling us to delight in his word like a newborn baby delights in milk. Y'all, I don't know if you've ever been around a newborn baby, but, but I've been around a few newborn babies, and, and it says that you're to crave this milk. This milk is like gold in my household, y'all. Like we had some folks over the house the other day, and, and my, my Anna Joy was trying, to, she was trying to sneak that chocolate milk out. You know, she kept pulling it out, mama put it back, pull it out, mama put it back. And she thought she had it, and then she slammed the refrigerator door, mama got it back in there. And this stuff, she's always, milk, milk, milk. She loves this milk, man, because for most of her life, listen, half of her life, she's, she's eating this milk. And the scripture tells us to delight in the word of God like a newborn baby delights in milk. It says this in, in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says to crave the pure spiritual milk. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. That by it you may grow into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. That, that you, should, you should delight in this milk like a baby delights in milk. Because some of you, like you just came to Christ. Like you, you fresh in the faith. Like you still wiping the amniotic fluid off of you. That Jesus just brought you into new life, Right? And, mm, anyway, it's so placento. Anyway, so anyway, <laughs> placento is that Spanish? Anyway, placenta. Um, and, and so, like you, you come into the world, and, and listen, you need to crave this milk. But for a lot of you, it's time to grow up, man. Because listen, like like when I when I saw my my wife breastfeed our baby, like that that was a special moment. All jokes aside, special moment. And so there's a sweet window where it's sweet to see that. Now, if my baby was 18 trying to breastfeed, that's, there's something broke, all right? There's something nasty about that, okay? And so there's a time for you, for you to grow up. And so the Word of God, you delight in it like milk, but you also need to delight in it like meat. Come on, somebody. You got to delight in it like meat. Like if I said, hey, you want, some, you want a milkshake or a steak tonight? You'd be like, steak, all right? Because listen, most of you've tasted this meat. And the word of God says like this in, in Hebrews chapter 5, it says that, that you should be on solid food. It, and it's for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And what the Word of God is saying is that it's time to grow up, and I think a lot of young adults are here tonight, and you are going to a BYOM, bring your own meat party spiritually, and you're showing up like, mm, <laughs> what up, y'all? Yeah, I got it. I'm, hey, and they're like, is that all you eat? You're like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> they're like, bro, we we trying to get 
We're trying to get the meat, like Arby's, all right? We're trying to get, and listen, God wants you to get the meat so that you can get swole spiritually, all right? And you got to delight in it, much like you begin to delight in a meat or in a steak that, that begins to be cooked on the grill. Thank you, God, all right? And that's what God wants to do. And then he also wants you to delight in the word like honey. Honey's amazing, y'all. And it's been one of the greatest desserts historically of all time. Jewish boys, they would go to school and the rabbi, he would take honey and he would pour it on this, this, this tablet, if you will. Not like an iPad, but like a slate tablet, okay? And, and then he would walk around from boy to boy and he would say, hey, take a little bit of the honey off of this tablet. And, and, and all these boys, they would take this honey off this tablet. And this was a big deal, y'all. This was like Halloween, Valentine's celebration at school back in the day. You know, you got all that candy. This was like this day for them. And he would take this honey and then he would simultaneously, after everybody had the honey on their finger, he would say, now put it in your mouth. And he would quote this psalm, and he would say, may the words of God be sweet as honey. And he would quote Psalm 119, 103. This says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And he would say, may you, may you find delight in the word of God. May you find joy in the word of God. When you study the word, man, you've got to discover it, digest it, and then delight in it. And then it goes on, Jeremiah says, your words were found and I ate them. They became for me a joy and my heart's delight. For I'm called by your name, O Lord of hosts. Point number four and finally, write this down, declare. Declare. See, Jeremiah, he's fired up about the word of God because he knows the God of the word. He's fired up about the word because he has a relationship with God. He says, the reason why I found it, the reason why I ate it, the reason why it's my joy is because I know God. And that the word of God studying the Bible apart from a relationship with Jesus is vanity. And it's going to lead to futility and frustration. And so you need to get in the word, y'all. But you don't need to get in the word until you know the God of the word. I want you to imagine that when my dad, you know, he's incarcerated. I want you to imagine that he had done something really bad and he had to go to court. And he was going to be given a life sentence. I want you to imagine that, that he was there and, and he was on trial and it was obvious that he had done some things he shouldn't have done and, and he knew that he was facing life in prison. I don't know if y'all have ever been to prison. I've been to visit family. I've heard about prison. Prison is probably the closest thing to hell on earth that we can fathom. I want you to imagine that that was, the, that was the, the payment for the crime. They said, you're gonna go to life in prison or, or you can get out of that life sentence by paying this lump sum of money. And my dad's like, man, there's no way. I'm an oil field worker and a shipyard worker. I can't afford that. And so he hugs our necks and says, I'm sorry, boys. He says, goodbye. And just before the gavel drops from the judge, a man walks in and says, excuse me, your honor, can I interrupt? Then the guy goes, go ahead. And he says, I would like to pay the penalty for Max Glover. I'd like to relieve him of a life sentence in prison. And the judge looks at him and says, son, what are you doing? He says, well, dad, I'd like to pay the penalty of this man, this criminal. He says, you know the price? He says, yes, sir, I know the price. He says, okay, Max Glover, you're free to go. We start celebrating as a family, and my dad looks at this guy, and he's like, oh, my goodness, you've, you've changed my life. And, and they make arrangements to pay the penalty, and all that's going to take place. But, but in the meantime, they exit out, and my dad locks eyes with this man. He's like, you know, my dad grew up, he's a blue-collar guy, and so, like, you know, he's going to pay you back type thing. And so he goes up to the man, he shakes his hand, he's like, you're, you're going to give me college experience back with my kids. Like, I can see my kids go through college because of your payment, your decision, whatever you just worked out with the judge. I'm going to be able to be a grandfather now. I, I, and, and like, well, how can I repay you? What can I do? And, and, and he starts reaching for his wallet, and the guy's like, hey, bro, no, hey, don't worry about it. You can't pay me back. But here's what I need you to do. Why don't we just hang out? Like, I, I want a relationship with you, Max. 
my dad's like, oh, that's easy. Yeah, like we just hang out, like we just get to know each other. He's like, yeah, let's just get to know each other. I've got some other things in mind I'd like to share with you. And my, my dad's like, cool. And so week one, dad's there, they're hanging. Week two, hanging. Week three, they're hanging. Week four, they're hanging. And then week five, my dad doesn't show up. And this guy's like, well, that was weird, but I'm going to give him some grace. And then my dad doesn't show up again. And then my dad doesn't show up again. And so this guy goes and he finds my dad. He's like, hey, bro, remember, I, you know, I paid your debt. And he's like, oh, yeah, man, I've just been so busy. And, and I, you know, I, I fell down. I started drinking again. And, and he's like, all right, man, that's all right. Well, let's just hang out. Let's hang out. And my dad never hung out with them. What would you think of my father in this scenario? Would you think that he was truly grateful for the price that was paid for his liberty? No, because he forsook the opportunity to have a relationship with the one that purchased his liberty. And my friends, that's a picture of so many of us tonight. We claim to be grateful to God for his salvation. We say, I'm going to heaven. I prayed the prayer, I walked the aisle, I got baptized, whatever the thing is you did. But you don't want to spend time with him. If you love somebody but you don't want their words, do you really love them? And so what do you need to do in response to the word tonight? What disciplines do you need to put in place in your life? And I want to challenge you to be persistent until you become consistent. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. How we thank you just for your word, how it speaks so clearly, so convicting, so challenging. God, the reality, what's at stake here for us tonight is that we, we would forsake an opportunity to know you one who created galaxies, one who put their stars in place and knows them by name. Who is man that you are mindful of us? And who are we that we would shun you? So God, I pray that we would plummet the depths and the riches of your glorious truths that are unfolded in this book we know as the Bible. And as we carve out time in our day tonight, tomorrow, to get into the Word, get into the book of Ecclesiastes or Ephesians or wherever we begin, that you would provoke an appetite to know you, that you would give us epiphanies and revelation that would shape us and create new pathways of thinking and living, and that you would help us become the men and women that you've created us to become. And God, you would put deep down inside of our heart a fire, a fire in our bones that we cannot hold in. And we would fearlessly make known the mysteries that we find in this book. And you would shape society like you always have because men and women were men and women of one book. Word of God, won't you speak in our lives? In Christ's name, amen.